What's keeping me up at night? I mean, your podcast, I can't stop listening to them. It's very, very good. What? PowerPoints, power lunches, conference calls, reply to all, endless meetings, constant check-ins, and so much wasted time. Are you sick of the BS? So are we. It's time to take our time back, rework the way we work, and make every call a call to action. This is a podcast for people who want to stop talking and really start connecting. This is After 12. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to After 12, 12 for 12's original podcast series that explores cool companies, brands, messages, and makers, and what compels us to take notice and to become fans We've got a great show in store for you today, especially if you're depressed, anxious, and succumbing to the COVID blues. That's right. My first guest is a licensed Chicago-based psychologist who for the past 16 years has worked as a clinical therapist specializing in a range of pandemic-related issues such as grief, addiction, trauma, anxiety, and depression, i.e. me. He is a dear friend and has yet to take me to collections for my outstanding therapy bill. Internet, please welcome Dr. Jason Hurd of the show. Jason, welcome. Thank you. Hello. <laughs> and my second guest, but really my first choice, is also an Illinois licensed clinical psychologist who for the past 15 years has been helping clients through, again, anxiety, depression, adolescence, as well as postpartum disorders and maternal mental health. Uh, she is also a close friend, a former neighbor, and the reason I survived having two babies as an adolescent. Internet, please welcome Dr. Brooke Lawford to the show. Brooke, welcome. Thank you. Let the healing begin, guys. <laughs> Let it begin. I feel like there okay. should be applause. That was there good. should be. We'll put, we always do that in post production. Um, so, 2020 uh, has been described um, as a dumpster fire, a shit sandwich and an ulcerated hemorrhoid. Without breaking confidentiality of your patients and clients, what are some of your favorite client descriptions of this past year? <laughs> so many. Where do we begin? Where do we begin? Uh, I mean, uh, Dr. Her? <laughs> well, I, I think two things that have stuck out to me that have been really fascinating, which actually start when this first Happen is I have a lot of clients that have a high, lot, high level of anxiety. And what was really fascinating to me is they all calmed down. And one of the things that they said to me, which was really fat, that I started to see across the board, specifically with the clients who have high levels of anxiety, is that they, they literally said they feel that the world had caught up to them. Mm. That's interesting. And they feel they, they actually felt more relaxed, which, which, was, which was really surprising me. I didn't really expect that. Um, so that's, that's the first thing I've seen. Mm -hmm. hmm. I wonder if that's a testament to you as a therapist. <laughs> I don't know about that. Probably not. <laughs> no, no, no. When it's it's funny. It's that it's that phenomenon when everybody is stressed out, you actually start to relax. Mm -hmm. You know, like especially in family dynamics, if if like your your sibling or you know your your partner is freaking out, it somehow makes you feel like well, it's the responsibility is off of me. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I don't have to freak out mm -hmm. now. Yeah, I mean, I think especially for clients who have PTSD, right? Like they're already at an 
overactive hypervigilant state. Mm-hmm. So now there's an actual apocalypse, which is a word that has constantly been used, overused, happening. And there is some, yeah, it's more egocentric, I think, for some people. But it doesn't, I don't know if it relieves symptoms. I mean, I have clients with like Amazon carts full of survival kits. I mean, it's really. Wow. Oh, yeah. And you've heard that word in session that we are going through an apocalypse. Yes. Wow. Yes. I mean, I've had people wonder if there's going to be like civil war. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Right. Or people who have any sort of germophobia that's now become agoraphobia. I mean, just to, if that's familiar to you, Adam, I don't know. But sure. everything that you started with becomes more intensified in a situation like this. Well, especially like the confluence of things. I mean, COVID, Trump, racial tension, the economy, rising unemployment, the presidential election. I mean, now there are wildfires in California and Colorado and, you know, more um, police shootings. I mean, what's going on near you in Kenosha, Wisconsin? Mm -hmm. And then there's (laughs) this hurricane season and their hurricane, you know, bearing down on the southeastern United States. I mean, this is a good time to get in a a real bad way with pills or alcohol and drugs. Mm -hmm. I mean, this Mm -hmm. is, it's it's funny though, the Substance Abuse and Mental Health Administration, SAMHSA recently warned, uh, quote unquote, of the emergence of increased mental health and substance use issues since the start of the pandemic. They've really done little more than uh, support moderate increases in treatment provisions through the CARES Act um, Mm -hmm. funding. Um, So I guess, you know, are you are you hearing clients confide to you a like more than normal uh, drinking and drug use as a result of what's going on? Um, I, I I think I, I can speak to that in a couple different levels. But my first thing that I always I even actually heard this earlier this week, which is, um, you know, the, the the term you know being woke is like kind of being thrown around a lot nowadays. And and one of the funniest things I've heard is to speak to this addiction and, and overuse of substances is I feel so woke. I wish I could just take a nap and drug myself. Mm. You're too woke. I'm too woke. <laughs> too woke. Yeah. Um, it's like, it's, it, it's really tricky because I, I think one of the things that I try and, 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 and kind of normalize in all this is really just from a neurological point of view from we're feeling trapped we're feeling trapped in a house. We're feeling trapped in society. We can't even go to a restaurant. We, we can't even leave our country. We can't really do anything. So naturally, our, our natural reaction to feeling trapped is our fight or flight mechanism gets activated and aroused. And so we're in this constant state of, of arousal, of, of tension and stress, which we need to kind of separate the difference between stress and, and anxiety. But what's happening is that with that heightened nervous nervousness and that heightened state of, of your nervous system being being triggered, it's it's desperately craving for something to kind of calm it down. So it's, there's a strong draw towards depressants and other types of substances to kind of break away from our, our, our need for escapism in a lot of ways because we're feeling more trapped. I mean, I go the old-fashioned way. Just, you know, the, the Bible is the Lord's word. <laughs> is all you need there. Um, 
I mean, honestly, and by the way, for the audience out there, Dr. Jason Hurd did give me that as a uh, as a present. So, I mean, good wow. doctor. Wow. <laughs> um, no, but I mean, what do you what do you say at that point? I mean, this is a fight or flight response, and if you are on edge all the time, I mean, you can get a bottle of vodka or you can get a Peloton. I mean, what what are some of the mm. the kind of practical advice, tips, and tricks that you know you you try to steer your your clients to mm -hmm. it's tricky with substance abuse right now because 12 step i mean first of all i'm sure you read also the statistic that like alcohol sales are through the roof i mean any sort of dispensary the lines are like around the block mm -hmm. so we know it's being all of substances are being over like overly abused in like yeah. record numbers and 12 step is usually the go-to treatment. And, they, or, they, they had to add 12 more steps. They added, <laughs> so now there's 24 steps, which That's makes for a lot of steps, especially when you have to do them on Zoom and you can't go in person. I mean, it, it honestly, it's, there's inpatient. Inpatient was even shut down for a while. I'm sure, Jason, you saw that. So we couldn't hospitalize people. You know, we couldn't send people to residential. There were a couple of people I had who did some residential in masks, six feet apart. I mean, uh, really less effective treatment. Or for people who want to do 12-step for the first time because they've, they're hitting bottom, there's no meeting to go to. There's no sponsor to find. So it's it does feel more helpless. It does feel like substance abuse is out of control and you sort of look to like the harm reduction, okay? Like if you're gonna use, use later in the day, use like when your kids are asleep, you you know, use like with pills that are prescribed or right. use, yeah. Use use a contiguous to a sleepy time where everything is <laughs> Right, don't safe, drive you know. and use. Right. Yeah. Well, I, I, one, sorry, the things, one of the things that I, 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 I try and help kind of bring this into the therapy session a lot is one for, you know, socially, we need to remember that all the, all the alcohol stores were deemed as a, as a necessary essential <laughs> business. So the, America. The, yeah. So it, it was encouraged like, okay, you're going to be trapped in your house. Please drink. Um, secondly, from a neurological point of view, what's actually happening is the more that you drink, the alcohol being a depressant, the way it functions in the GABA neurotransmitters is it, it, it depletes the brain. And then the next, so when you actually kind of like, when, when the alcohol is out of your system, your anxiety actually increases. And so it creates a feedback loop of a snowball, which then, then you use more to try and calm the nervous system because, and so then you literally train the nervous system that the only way I know how to calm down is by using alcohol because it just keeps amping and, and increasing over time. And so that's what's kind of occurring even now is that this dependency is actually increasing because it's the only way they know how to calm the nervous system. Mm -hmm. it, it's interesting, you know, th this show is about, you know, makers and, and consumers really. I mean, like that to me is what makes American brands so unique is that we find a product in a, and a, uh, and a consumer base. And I mean, we did that back in the, in the early aughts in the twenties. <laughs> I mean, we found the product in the United States. I mean, and I, I shouldn't take it so lightly. I'm, I'm actually wearing 
the, the, my favorite shirt. I mean, but like the, the, the fact is in America, we want to take a pill. You know, we, we have, um, healthcare that isn't necessarily about care. It's about, uh, you know, treatment. Um, uh, how should I say it's really, it's about symptom treatment and, mm-hmm. and, you know, it, the, the idea of mental health is the same. It's all about, you know, I don't feel well, so I'm going to go talk to a therapist or my, my marriage isn't going so well. So I'm going to go deal with that. It's, it's cause and effect. Um, but now, I mean, we're, you know, in an apocalypse to use your words, Brooke, or your patient's words. I mean, you know, according to the CDC, pandemics can be stressful. Mm. <laughs> Public health mm. actions such as social distancing can make people feel isolated and lonely and can increase stress and anxiety. However, these actions are necessary to prevent and reduce the spread of COVID-19. Coping with stress in a healthy way will make you, the people you care about, and your community stronger. It's like you, it's like, and then they publish a list of emergency numbers where it's like, if you're going to kill yourself, if you're about to get divorced, you know, it seems to me there's a few things missing in our society with regards to health, you know, mm-hmm. and, and, and hygiene, um, mm-hmm. I mean, what, what, what do you recommend to patients or clients now when, when, when it comes to just mental health hygiene, what, what can you do to prevent the need to take the pill or prevent the need to, you know, to, to go to the treatment? Well, um, first off, one of the things that I always like to try and actually define is what actually mental health is. Um, because these are terms that we throw around, but we don't really have a clear understanding of really what it can mean. And so to, what I like to do is just clarify from my own point of view is that mental health is just your ability to cope. It's how to have mental balance. Um, and it's, it's, your, it's your coping strategies. It's the way that you're approaching things. It's your perspective that have an influence in the way that you, you deal with something. And so that, that can be thrown out of balance a lot of times. And so just like with our physical health, you know, if we overindulge or if we, we push it too far, we can kind of, you know, do something bad to a limb or sprain it. And that's how I want to, how I try and encourage people to think about their own mindset and their own mentality. Um, so that's, that's from that point of view, I think. It's, it's a much more interesting discussion when you, stand, when you think of how to understand what mental health is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I think what you're talking about is approaching life with your, your spiritual, your mental health as a priority versus just reacting to it. Adam. Right. And right. that, right. But that's, that's not sort of the premise of our country. It's all about like action and work and capitalism and production. Right. But there's a cost to that. So, right. People's mental health falls through the cracks and then band-aids get put on it and you get in the cycle that Jason was describing earlier with substances or with psychopharmaceuticals. Mm -hmm. 
Well, I mean, and and really, they they are self medication from both sides of it, right? Right. I mean, you you can get a prescription from your your psychiatrist, or you can go to your essential liquor store <laughs> down the street. Right. right I mean, exactly. You know, but I I guess my whole point is is the hygiene aspect. I mean, here's a great anecdote. So. You know, I recently reached out to Brooke and, and was trying to get a hold of, of my therapist from from Chicago. And, you know, it's it's like I, you know, I was telling a friend, oh, I I um, I started back in the session and he goes, oh, why is what's wrong? And <laughs> I mean, that's a funny it's a funny question, but it's like that's kind of the mentality of not not just you know, mental health or, 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 or th- therapeutic approaches to it, but kind of everything, you know, you, you, mm-hmm. you go to a physician or you go to a counselor, you go to a clinician it, it, when something is, is wrong. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, going back to that hygiene issue, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. H- how do we as a society make for better um, coping, you know, mental coping or just, I mean, We've I, we're so far out of balance in so many ways with uh, our environment, with each other, with the way we work, live, play. I mean, it's like it's so one or the other. It's so polemic. I you know I've got to hurry up to get to work and then hurry up to get to the bar after work mm-hmm. so I can hurry up to do the shots and hurry up to get home to sleep to hurry up to wake up in the morning. It's crazy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, what a life you lead. <laughs> I think that the one silver, yeah, one silver lining of the pandemic and having us trapped inside is it has eliminated some of the going to work and going out. So there's, it has slowed time down, you know, people just in their pajama pants all day. So some, in some ways it's calmed down that rush feeling that we have, especially in this society to be overworked, to work like 60 hours a week as the norm. Um, and don't make Jason stand up, whatever you do. <laughs> I won't. I wouldn't. I wouldn't want to. Well, and I, but I feel at the same time, I mean, okay, so the flip side of that is, um, you know, you, you look at it, it, I don't really want to talk too much about COVID, but you look at COVID in terms of the spreading incidents and, you know, these super spreading events, which we used to just call parties, um, they're young people. And most of these young people are isolated young people. So, you know, I'm, I'm 23. I live alone. I, I got, I have to see my friends. This is my community. So in those situations, if you're so isolated, it's that kind of, you know, what do I do? I'm damned if I do, I'm damned if I don't, they, you know, and I think a lot of that cavalier attitude came from like, I can't, take it anymore especially if you look at millennials and gen z as like this you know point and click very immediate mm-hmm. you know demographic like they grew up with everything mm-hmm. comes right when i click it um to wait to be patient to crack a book to that's hard yeah one of the things that i think is is you know in regards to that 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 we 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 take for granted that we're, you know we're social creatures by nature. We, we, we depend on being social, but what we fail to recognize is how to do that in a way that's healthy. And I think one of the things is sometimes we can either become so desperate where we need to be social no matter what, or we have a, a, a somewhat of a, of a, of a 
a bias that we don't need to be as social as we like to think that we do. Um, and so one of the things that I keep trying to advocate for, you know, during this time, as I was before everything kind of like, kind of the apocalypse happened, Mm-hmm. is how to learn to be unproductive. And that is mm-hmm. one of the hardest lessons to learn how to do because even working from home, what's ended up happening is people are way more productive than they were if they were going to the office because they're not doing that to our commute. But now they don't know how to turn off. Yes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, I mean, it's deprived us from, you know, the the basic and the bad choices. I mean, the, you know, you I mean, I, I, again, I go back to single people. I mean, they can't, they can't date. They can't have one night stands or bar crawls or social sports leagues. And, you know, how do they, you know, how do they, again, connect? So, I mean, initially it's consume content on Netflix or Hulu or Amazon Prime, where you can find my hit show 12 for 12. Um, but you know, at the same time, it's like, how much can you watch with Carol Baskin and Tiger King? And you've seen it all. And you're like, then you start going through the catalog of old movies and your Zoom calls. I mean, you guys are as therapists, how much time are you spending on Zoom or other platforms like this? Too much. Nope. Too much. Too much. I mean, it's constant. It definitely is the... Um, there's so much more you can slip in in a day because of the zoom. There's so much more I can schedule and that, yeah, is, you know, one of my own things that I've done during this. I've just been working nonstop, which has felt, it feels really productive and it's really distracting from the apocalypse. Like I can just, you know, zoom in on other people's crazy responses to it and not really be in my own, uh, you know, chaos of my home and my kids on TikTok all the time and whatever the hell they're doing, I've stopped paying attention to them, you know? Right. I mean, and I guess that comes to the detriment of like, you know, the community of mental health practitioners right now are working overtime, right? Mm-hmm. And there's so much demand on mm-hmm. your practice. I, I wonder, will this, do you think, finally be some sort of an inflection point for your you know, your, your career or, I mean, your industry where people start to see like, oh, wait a second, you know, emotional and, uh, and mental well-being is a huge component to having a healthy and productive life. Um, mm-hmm. Again, going back to, the, you know, trying to find some level of balance. Um, I'm sure you two, you know, need um, downtime more than anybody nowadays. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, I, I mean, I, I'm right there with, with Brooke. I mean, I, I'm probably, I mean, when this whole thing started, a lot of people were like, oh, this is great. You know, I can kind of, you know, like relax a little bit. And I found myself just amping up um, with, I mean, I have old clients reaching out to me from, mm-hmm. from like from, from the ether um, and I've been more busy than I was before the pandemic and before the pandemic, I, I'm not the best at creating boundaries for myself, um, when saying no to, to when clients reach out to me. So, um, by the way, that's why you're an exceptional friend, <laughs> <laughs> but it, an interesting side effect that I've been thinking about a lot is like, you know, a lot of people 
who are going to work and they're, they're doing a lot of like, you know, Zoom calls like this, you know, they may do like three or four or, or X number, but I, I never really realized that like I'm probably doing 30 to 35 Zoom calls a week. Mm -hmm. Wow. Or, or some type, I mean, like I only, I think it's like my, my, my percentage is probably like 70% are video conference and then the rest are phone. Um, and it has increased my ability to, to do more, but I'm also recognizing how much more taxing it is because just doing a zoom call, the, the, the research and the data shown you use different parts of the brain because it's way more stimulating than in person versus a phone. Um, and so it is in an odd way, way more taxing than it would be if we were in person. Mm -hmm. are, you, are you finding that too, Brooke? Yeah. 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 I mean, there's, there's so much that happens with Zoom because you, I mean, normally for me, when you're in an in interpersonal therapeutic interaction, it's, it's a, uh, you know, very feeling, uh, physical, neurochemical, you know, exchange. Yeah. yeah. And then you add the screen. So your brain is like working a different way with the blue light, right? And then there's so many glitches, right? Like there's so much, especially with like boomers, you know, it's just like we're bouncing around, like I'm helping people. So we're moving in different parts of our brain and losing connection Yeah, that we would get even non-verbally just being in the room together. Mm -hmm. So, I mean yeah. The plus side, though, is it is really, you know, alleviated the, you know, torrid therapist patient love affair, yeah. you know, suits that you've had to respond to. Yes. Yeah. Uh, I mean, there's a decrease. There's I don't know if it's, <laughs> it's eliminated. I think of Will Ferrell and Step Brothers, and I just like at the end, his therapist was like <laughs> totally in love with him. The ones that match the seats kind of went with I traveled 500 miles to give you my seed. Lumberjack? <gasps> I just, you know, how, how humor helps in dark times, I guess, right? It's the number one helper. It's the oh, number one helper. Okay, so what, I mean, what else? I mean, other than, than gallows humor, I mean, I, are you, I'm sure you guys are talking to patients about endorphins and exercise. Exercise is huge. And I think there's some black and white thinking about, I can't see anyone anymore. There's yeah. nothing to do, which is, there's so many creative solutions mm -hmm. to being able to be social. I mean, especially with the weather being good, people can, people can see each other. People can do walks. People can mm -hmm. gather. People can eat together in parks. I mean, there's a lot that can happen. It just takes more effort. So like ri risk mitigation versus total risk avoidance. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Um, right. I mean, what about, um, I mean, diet, I'm sure could, I mean, you play a part to it too, you know, the, what, what people are eating. I don't know if you've been counseling people in that direction, but you know, we have a direct in, you know, what we put in, we, we get out. It, one of the fascinating things about that is I'm not heard, sure if you've heard it, but I found this very funny when I first started hearing it, the, the COVID-19, yeah. <laughs> yeah, which is the 19 pounds you put on because you're sitting at home all the time. Yeah. Um, 
And, and it's really funny because like people are stress eating and then like a lot of people who would normally go out and, and used to go out and, and run or, or, or jog just don't, some of them don't feel comfortable doing that, uh, for whatever reason. Um, they can't go to the gym, um, is something that ha- is like having a big effect. So not, not being able to exercise in the way that they used to. And then also compounded with that stress of just wanting to eat and just, Stress eating and emotionally eating is just is is very very commonplace right now. Because mm-hmm. if you can't feel any pleasure, the best way to do that is by popping something really tasty in your mouth, and then boom, I have pleasure. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, thank God you two have no pleasure receptors anymore either. Totally numb. <laughs> totally numb. And eating Cheetos all day and diet sodas—that's just worked for me for years. So. <laughs> oh my goodness. Mm-hmm. Um, well, you know, I, I do think, um, w- we've gone through the stages of grief in such kind of a compounded, you know, just it's, it's, I'm sure, and I'm sure you guys, you, you know, when you're in session with patients going to March to August, you know, and mm-hmm. now we're almost in September. Have you seen that? Have you seen like this mini kind of like almost divorce or death like reaction? Yeah, I haven't heard that analogy of the stages of grief to this, but that's good. Um, right, anger, resistance, bargaining. Now there's more acceptance. Will sure. you credit after 12 during the session? I will. I will. <laughs> With my client right after this. Yes. Is it, I mean, is it cool to be on a, a video podcast after you've you've seen nine hours of Zoom <laughs> sessions it's is cool it, is it cool? It's cool yeah it's cool totally totally cool it's, great it's fun according to the new england journal of medicine after disasters most people are resilient and do not succumb to psychopathology uh, some people find new strengths nevertheless in conventional national disasters um, and intentional acts of mass destruction a primary concern is post-traumatic stress disorder arriving arising from exposure to trauma um Medical conditions from natural causes, such as life-threatening viral infection, do not meet the current criteria for trauma um, required for a diagnosis of PTSD. But other psychopathologies, such as depression and, and anxiety order, uh, disorders, may ensue. Do you do you think the standard of diagnosis for PTSD needs to be changed? Uh, I'm going to jump in here. Um, yeah, because I, I I I have a lot of kind of like a lot of feelings and, and, and thoughts about this because I've always kind of advocated that trauma is subjective and stress is not really well fully defined, just like a lot of other things. Because what stress actually is, is a constant state of readiness, which is very different than anxiety. Anxiety is just this constant state of fear um, or just this state of, of worry, whereas stress is your, you know, your your your, your, your nervous system kind of keeps you in the state of readiness and it keeps like, keeps that tension and so the muscle tension, all those other things. So stress can build up in the body over time and have drastic effects on, 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 um, on the, on, on your body and your mind. And one, one of the biggest things that I would get referred to from primary care physicians are men later in life who, when they finally had like they finally had a child, they had like, you know, 
and they had like their, you know, their career was going really well. They had everything they've always wanted. And all of a sudden their body was just kind of collapsing. And it turned out because they put themselves under so much stress from needing to hold on to what they finally had that their cholesterol, the A1Cs, all these physiological symptoms aroused. And the primary care would kind of point out this is all stress related. I so, haven't had a normal poop in years. <laughs> well, well, that would explain a lot. We, we can help you with that. <laughs> is, that is that part of a typical treatment plan these days? It we'll is. Get you, it is. Get, get, we'll get you back to, to, to whole again. Um, so, I mean, okay, then. So PTSD from this trauma, and again, we're looking at a confluence of so many things going on yeah. right now. Um, what do you think the result is going to be like, you know, in the, in the, the next six to nine months, right. In terms of like coming out of this, let's say we get, you know, an effective and efficacious vaccine or people are not as, uh, as worried about, again, the first stages of grief. Maybe it's the fear of, you know, the, 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 the disease or the, the anxiety of getting sick or, you know, God, the first few weeks, remember, it's like, we're, I mean, my hands were blistered from Lysol stains and burns, you know. Mm -hmm. um, do you think there's going to be a, a, a major kind of calling of this trauma? I, I think it's such a good question. And we have to start really thinking about that, like as clinicians, to, to get ready for the fallout. But I think it's it's idiosyncratic. I mean, like Jason is saying, everyone has traumas relative to each person. So some people who have gone through this pandemic have hit their own bottoms because of their own mental makeup. And they've had their, you know, an experience of trauma, even if they haven't gotten COVID or they don't know anyone that got COVID. But being trapped in their home and being abused by their husband was like enough to traumatize them. So it's going to be different for every person. I think that the PTSD definition you read is, it's not taking into account like this is a, this was a national crisis. Right, yeah. global, right? global, global. Crisis, yeah. right, exactly, yeah. exactly. So yes, it needs to be expanded. And there's and, it, and we can't divorce it from what's happening politically and what is being exposed by yeah. the Trump administration and, you know, the Me Too movement, the Black Lives Matter movement. I mean, the intersection of race and coronavirus is really Huge. intense. Yeah. So well, that and and then can, again, I go back to the branding consumption, and you know the the fact that right. again the the analogy that China is the the largest manufacturer in the world, and we are the largest consumer in the world. Mm. And then you look at transportation and travel, like the fact that you know we have taken for granted that we could be, I could be in the Riviera tomorrow, you know, we, we I could be in in the south, you know, southern. Um, the South area. Yeah. <laughs> you just have a brain fart. <laughs> I could be in South America. You know what I mean? I could, you could go anywhere uh, at any time. And and to to think that that globalization has been the the conduit for what's happening. It's mm -hmm. it's crazy. Mm -hmm. It is. Um, and and to think it all happened at one. It was really 
I don't know, you guys remember when I produced my Mayan Apocalypse show in 2012? You know, I counted on producer-director Roland Emmerich to be right about the Mayans and the volcanoes, the super volcano. None of that panned out. I got low ticket sales. It was mm -hmm. kind of a bust. Um, I mean, my band sucks. They're, they're, I'm okay. Like I'm, I'm pretty good, but the rest of the guys, it wasn't the level. Anyway, this is 2020. This is eight years later, right? It just came late. It just, just came, came late. Just came late. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And by super volcano, it meant pandemic. <laughs> it's all in the Bible. And it's by all... hitting bottom, I'm puckered. Um, Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> wow. Wow. So what's keeping you guys up at night as therapists who are synthesizing all of our fears and anxieties and trepidations and what what are you guys thinking in terms of what's what's next and in, in, in mental health governance or and in, in the way that we look at it? Hmm. The way we treat how we feel. Well, those, right, two different questions. What's keeping me up at night? I mean, your podcast, I can't stop listening to them. It's very, very good. What <laughs> I'm thinking about the future of mental health. I mean, so in my practice, I have been trained um, in, the, in a Jungian way. So like I do a lot of dream work and thinking about archetypes and thinking about patterns and shadow work and why what's the meaning what's the meaning in the broader strokes of what's happening right now so paying attention to what is really coming out like what is being unveiled in society and getting ready for hopefully healing you know like getting rid of so many systems that we've been oppressed by and and been partaking in sort of destroying a lot of what we've known to be reality and creating something new is, I guess is, is both keeping me up at night and what I'm thinking about in my practice. So there, that's- And, it, uh, and it's really, I mean, how many hours of, of sleep do you get a night to do your own Jungian research? <laughs> right, well, I have to sleep to dream. Right, and you so. barely you barely make it to REM. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Exactly. As soon as I get that archetype, I'm awake and writing it down and ready to go. Well, and Jason, you too. I mean, I know you're very much a why guy. You always you're you're digging deeper. What what's your thought? Well, my my first reaction to everything that's occurring is more sadness. It's um I'm not really feeling that it's like the like the anxiety of the world, but I'm I'm more struck with myself as just being sad. Um in the way that, that how everything's playing out, that, you know, the, 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 the tension, the lack of, of, of listening, the lack of understanding, the lack of respect. Um, and, and how that plays out for me as a, as a clinician is one of the things that I, I work a lot with, you know, similar to Brooke with, with kind of like archetypes is I, I really work with people's belief systems and, and everything that's going on is really a stark kind of look at belief systems because anxiety and, and racism and, and all these things are really rooted in, in, in what you choose to believe. And that really has a stark 
reflection on, you know, the way I try to explain it is when, when we believe something, we create truth, whether it exists or not, we create proof. So if you believe in God and you see a bird fly by, you will use that as proof that that's a sign from God. If you choose to believe that you're an atheist, you will choose to believe that that is evidence that there's no causality. And so this is really shining a light on a lot of belief systems, which are really hard to kind of change because, you know, when you have all this systemic kind of like beliefs that are really wrought without being open to other kind of points of views or, they or, become or ideas, they become truths. Yeah. And traps. And, and, and traps. traps. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We are unpacking some really, really good shit on After 12 today. Um, no, I mean, I, I, I really, self-actualization, if you think it, if you believe it, you can make it happen. And then social construction, like you define your own reality. You, mm-hmm. I mean, these are things that I think about all the time when I'm constructing another episode of my award-winning show, 12 for 12, which is on Amazon Prime. So anyway, I love you too. It has been fantastic talking with you. Um, last question, uh, how, how are you unpacking your stress? The, you know, multiple hours of telehealth and Zoom calls all day. Are, are you trying to practice your own medicine in terms of hygiene, mental health? I'm trying. I'm trying. I'm, uh, yeah, trying to swim. I'm praying more than I ever used to. I'm trying to slow down. Like the productivity has to slow down. We have to be, I really like what you said, Jason. We have to be able to be unproductive. I've been like floating. And Jason, how is your deprivation tank? Did you, was that a good gift? <laughs> I wish. Have you reached regression yet? No. No, I've started altered states and I've started to reach probagnum state, but. Be frightened. We could be screwing around with this whole genetic structure. Now, how do we stop this? We've got millions of years stored away in that computer bank we call our minds. We have got trillions of dormant genes in us. Our whole evolutionary past. Perhaps I've tapped into that. That's only for a few minutes. (laughs) That's all it takes. Um, That's all it takes. Um, For me, I mean, like, I, I think what I, you know, like, I've lost track of, like, doing meditation. And, and like, you know, I, I do a lot of yoga, and that's been really helpful. Um, the vices are really tempting to buy into. Um, whether it's like, you know, a beer or a really nice dram of whiskey or something like that. But I, I, I found that what's actually working really best is just by staying appreciative and, and, and feeling a lot of gratitude for the things that small little things are going on in your life and the people you have in your life and to, to give yourself permission to feel that love and appreciation for those that are close to you. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. That's good. Well, well, if um, if a, a new patient or or a client wanted to reach out to you guys, how, how would they how would they make contact if they wanted to to get a hold of you? Email me. <laughs> Not accepting new patients or clients. <laughs> All right, Look, we'll put your we'll put your web addresses up right now. Please um, do that. Please do that. Yes, I'm, I'm not I, good with self promotion. <laughs> 
put our stuff up because we, even if we can't take people, I am always committed to finding help for people. Absolutely. Yeah. Awesome. Well, I love you both. And thank you guys for, for giving some insight on, on really what is needed more than ever, which is coping mechanisms for this apocalypse, which is sure to only get greater. That's right. (laughs) Uplifting. I love you.